You are listening to episode 277 on University of Adversity. In our Western world, we have got ourselves in this position of disconnection. And I think that comes in the pursuit of convenience in the development of technology. And with the bombardment of information that we are presented, we forget about our natural connection to the natural world. And, you know, there's all sorts of different theories, but one is that the advent of language is what actually started the separation because a tree suddenly was labeled a tree and it positioned, that language positioned it over there as another rather than this beautiful, vibrant, nourishing part of our life. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. And we are back. What is happening, everybody? Hope you guys are having an amazing day today. We have my good friend and brother, Kyle Dow, joining us today. A little bit about this amazing human. He is a holistic integration guide focusing on helping people integrate plant medicine experiences. He is also the creator of Soul Path, a six-week online group program that is designed to help people move closer to their true self. And I did this program with Kyle. It's amazing, and I highly recommend you check it out. Kyle found spirituality through his connection to nature, which was introduced through skiing and climbing. His most recent pursuit is creating deep nature connection experiences to help others connect to the natural world through which they can discover the magic of being human. We'll have all the information to connect with Kyle in the show notes. This guy is such a smart, wise dude, and I always really appreciate talking to him and hearing his wisdom and hearing about his story and all the things in between. So we, he's somebody that is part of the Fit for Service Fellowship, the Aubrey Marcus Mastermind that I've been in all year. And we had we got to connect again in Sedona, which you guys will hear a little bit about. And we had a great discussion about everything and life in general. So you guys will get a lot out of this. I promise you that. And make sure to share this if you get value from it. I always appreciate seeing it shared on Instagram, social media. Just mean it just helps me realize that this is making impact. And if you guys want and you don't have to think about it, if you subscribe wherever you're listening, you get the episode downloaded right away to where you're listening, whatever platform, and it's there for you. So also we're available on YouTube. If you guys want to go over there and watch this, you want to see our funny facial reactions or my funny facial reactions that I have and the, the funny faces I make while interviewing people, uh, go over there and get entertained as well. So <laughs> I love you guys and I know you'll get lots out of this. So enjoy this episode. Kyle Dow, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Kyle Dow, welcome to the show, brother. So great to connect again with you, man. Thank you, brother. It's really good to be here. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's wow what a what a journey it's been for me personally and i'm sure that you'll speak about it as well is you know this integration after our final summit and the connections and you know what's been going on so how are you what's going on 
I know that you're traveling around right now. You've been doing some awesome things, bringing people together. And I really love your outlook on life and what you're up to. So how are things going for you, brother? And tell us what you're up to these days. Yeah, things are going really good. Much like you alluded to there, we had a a wonderful time in Sedona and it's been a process of integration since then, but I've also been on the move. So there hasn't been much opportunity for stillness. So from um, Sedona, we went, me and my partner Farah went to Austin where we put on this one day nature immersion experience. And we had a couple people show up for that. That was our first time doing this. And we had a couple people show up that had huge breakthroughs uh, in their expansion of themselves and awareness of themselves and how they relate to the natural world. And really the natural world provides such a powerful mirror for ourselves. And if we could get more in alignment with mimicking nature, I think we would all be better off. So from there, we went to Colorado Springs where we helped facilitate another retreat that was called the Alaha Retreat that was put on by friends of ours, Yosef and Autumn. And that was, again, another really powerful experience. And that whole container was built around a Wachuma ceremony, which was really beautiful. And after that, we were just ready for time to decompress. So now I'm in Boulder, uh, Colorado, um, up in this, this cabin in the mountains. And it's really nice to be here, immersed in nature once again, which is really where I feel at home. And then from here, we'll be going to California I'm doing another nature-based retreat on the 21st in Topanga Canyon, which is just outside of LA. Nature. It's, it's, you know, it's something that I have realized in my life how much I need it, you know, especially after Sedona and coming back to the city. I live right downtown Vancouver where there's all the action and the immediate energy shift was very noticeable. And I, it's, I'm not somebody that really appreciated nature like I probably should have. I always kind of ignored it as being something that is medicine for the soul. And the more I spend time in it and I get downloads from different things, different um, meditations saying that you need to be out there more. And I always feel so recharged. So it's, Man, that soul wander really showed me a lot too. See, I'm I'm a I'm a beginner to this this these kind of conversations about nature, nature being a mirror and and what that even means, right? And to be able to go out and to not have any agenda as to where you're going and just really being being like the kind of like the child that you would have been in nature before, you know, walking around and just doing the things and exploring was just so amazing for me and all the different metaphors that popped up, right? And has nature always been something that you were called to like growing up or is this something that you kind of came into later on? Like how did you get so, what, gra- what made you gravitate towards this in the first place? Nature when I was young wasn't a super prominent part of my experience. Like I played in outside like everybody does. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to the mountains from Ontario, I moved to Banff, Alberta when I was 23 and um, fell in love with the mountains and progressively my nature connection deepened over the years. So originally it was through skiing and then through rock climbing. And these two things in my outdoor experiences became the foundation of my spirituality. 
So in rock climbing, I was doing, I was practicing mindfulness without having any awareness of mindfulness or spirituality, because in that circumstance, it's the voices in my mind are very obvious. The ones that are saying, I can't make this next move. I'm not strong enough. I'm going to fall. I'm going to die. And so I became very aware of the, the mental chatter. And this is something that is present through our daily lives. So that was kind of um, my developing relationship with nature. And now what I'm recognizing 13 years later is that it really speaks to us in ways. And this is what you're alluding to in the soul wander. So when we get into nature, we naturally slow down. There's less rumination in our mind. There's studies that prove this. And as we slow down, we could allow the intuition to come through. And when I say nature, nature speaks to us, it's in symbols, right? So it's in gusts of wind. It's in the visits from bees and dragonflies and all sorts of animals, right? Bears. It could be something really large or it could be something really minuscule, but it all comes with a message for us. And I'm sure you experienced this in your soul wanders. So the practice of soul wandering is going out into nature without an agenda and simply following our curiosity like we would when we're a child and to sit there and to be in awe and amazement with this natural world, which we quite often overlook in the pace of our lives these days. We're just going from point A to point B and we're not taking the time to slow down and to listen to nature and to observe how it does give us reflections. I yeah, it's, I don't think many, most people really that I have, that you see, I mean, I'm looking outside into the city and I would think 99.9% .9 of the people really don't, don't take advantage of the nature that we have and really go out there and just, just explore. Right. And it's such a, it was such a liberating feeling. And when you, when you listen, when you, when you just pay attention, because we're not listening a lot of times. We're just, we have this end destination all the time. There's always, I got to be here. I got to be there. I got to go here. I got to go there. It's like, well, what about what is right in front of you? <laughs> like it's, there was something really freeing about you, you just go out. This may be something that you do a lot. And this is, but I, you know, this is something that for me has been like, wow, it, it was a huge download in Sedona for me is to pay attention to this. And I think a lot of people, this is one of those things that it seems simple, but it could be very, very useful in your life at really appreciating what's in front of you. So when you talk about when you do this kind of stuff, is this, are people aware of the power of nature or do you find that most people are sort of discovering this as they go? Because I, I just find that most people that I come into contact with are really not Unless it's like somebody like, you know, I've, I've been exploring different, obviously with fit for service and different people that are more open to things, but I've just noticed it to be an area that really doesn't get talked about very often. In our Western world, we have got ourselves in this position of disconnection. And I think that comes in the pursuit of convenience in the development of technology. And with the bombardment of information that we are presented, we forget about our natural connection to the natural world. 
And, you know, there's all sorts of different theories, but one is that the advent of language is what actually started the separation because a tree suddenly was labeled a tree and it positioned, that language positioned it over there as another rather than this beautiful, vibrant, nourishing part of our life, really. And so, of course, that escalated to our present-day situation. And you're right, a lot of people live in the city and they never really tap into nature. And I have friends who are teachers in different wilderness schools, and they have programs for both children and adults. And she says it's quite common for people that when they recognize their disconnection from nature, there's this process of grief and mourning when they suddenly wake up to the fact that they've been living without this extension of ourselves for so long. Mm -hmm. And that's how we really can view it as an extension of ourselves. And a lot of this disease comes from that disconnection. So to reestablish that connection, especially during this time, is super important because as a planet, as a species, we are on a crash course. Right. A lot of experts like Zach Bush say we don't have more than 50 years of existence left on this planet. And the thing is, the planet will always be OK. We might not just be here to appreciate it. And a lot of people no longer have this appreciation for our Mother Earth. Right. Like you're suggesting. And I think if we reestablish that connection, people will start making better decisions in terms of lowering their consumption, maybe eating less meat right? Maybe not driving as much in commuting um, in group ride shares or via bicycle or whatever it may be. There are minute little changes we can make to our experience that perhaps bring a small amount of inconvenience but can have a major impact on the quality of our environment and the health of our environment. It's a scary thought, man. It's, it's a really scary thought and it's very real and I don't want to preach doomsday too much because I think as we shift our attention to the utopian world that we can exist in, that's what we want to manifest. We don't want to manifest the former. Yeah, but I, like, you're right though. I mean, that's, it's one thing to acknowledge it as what it is. We don't need to sit in that place. We can just figure out the solution to how do we how can you do better individually, right? I mean, but that's the reality of it. It's we're in a weird situation right now and it's kind of like what's going on in the world. It is what it is. So how do we do take it upon ourselves to do what we can do individually to make the change? Because it's been a challenging time and I think each person in the last eight months has had their own individual challenges and struggles. But what I have noticed and this is why we talk about social media is how it can be so dangerous is that we are so concerned about everybody else and not about ourselves and our reality right in front of us, our phones, all that crap that we look at. It's not real. It's like, we don't even know what's true and what's true is what's in front of us. So that's, that's what I'm really finding is like those, the little things that we can do and how we look at life especially during this situation, is going to be the change. The conversations we have, you know, those are going to be the things that create the ripple. So, you know, that is, 
and to, to, to think like we don't have that much time left, it's crazy. So, I mean, I really think just in general, like we all need to kind of come together and be like, how can I, this is why I think being in truth and are getting on the path of our soul, like we'll get into soul path is so important because that's going to allow us to do the things that not only light us up, but allow others to light themselves up so that we can start to make change. Right. And I just, that's what I've really noticed during all this, man. It's like, everybody is so concerned about, I shouldn't like, I'm just speaking of what I see, right. It's about what everyone else is doing and somebody's going to come and rescue them, but it's about taking control of your own life. Right. And doing what you can do with your own tools. Yeah, and, and really what I think that comes down to is minding our own vibration in our own energy and what type of energy we are putting out into the world because there is such thing as a sympathetic resonance. So the vibration that we carry wears off in other people. And a great analogy to this is the tuning fork analogy where if you ring a tuning fork and you bring it in proximity of a second one, that second one is going to pick up that same vibration and start ringing on its own without even making physical contact. Then when you move tuning fork A away from tuning fork B, it continues to ring at that frequency. Now, as humans, we have the same effect on one another. So like you're saying, we can work on ourselves so that we are more mindful and in a state of joy and peace. I think peace is what I strive for because it could be the underlying experience beneath everything else. So I could be sad and still in a state of peace with my sadness right? I could be grieving and still in a state of peace, which ultimately is acceptance for that human experience of grief. What has been your biggest struggle in the last year that you're facing that you can see as being something very important at shaping who you are and where you want to go? Hmm. You know, we all have stories that we tell ourselves of who we think we are. And to continue to perpetuate that story, to say that same story keeps us in that mindset, mm. in that perspective of ourselves. So I think traditionally over the course of my life, I've had a story of being unworthy, right? Unworthy for success, unworthy for certain people's attention, unworthy to be the person who is sharing these different points of wisdom or whatever the, the case may be. And this is such a common human experience, this sense of unworthiness. I almost feel that it's conditioned, that we're conditioned to be small, to play small, to not be in our power. And so I'm switching that narrative right now and it's almost like an, an excuse for those of us who feel that we do have the potential to impact change in the world we stand behind the story of unworthiness because it's safer because then we don't have to go out and actually try and risk failure we could just be like nah that's not for me i'm not good enough so this year has really been a process of dismantling that narrative as I step into different passion projects and pursuits and uh, entrepreneurial endeavors and, you know, being a part of fit for service and hanging out with people 
like yourself has been super important. And this speaks to the importance of community because in this community, I have found clean reflections, right? Discovering myself in the eyes of others, which has got me to this place of confidence where I can actively pursue my dreams. That you really struck a chord with me there. And I've been really thinking about this lately, about the stories. And what, what I've noticed as well is as we do the work and we heal the traumas and we heal the past, sometimes we feel that it's always got to still, it's got to always hurt. Like that's always going to be there. And what I've noticed when I started doing breath work, especially in Sedona, I was like thinking the experience was going to be this painful, scary experience because I had it before because of the trauma or something. And then it wasn't. It was this beautiful thing. I was laughing. I felt like this warrior was being released. And it was like, it was fucking beautiful, man. And I was like, wait a minute. Maybe I'm healing. Maybe I don't need to tell the same sad story all the time. Maybe I am getting past that. Maybe that that doesn't define me anymore, right? And I think the problem is, and sometimes in the personal development world, people want to, st- they want to feel that they're always playing, they're always small and they're always hurt. And the reality of it is, if you're doing the work, you're going to heal. And then you have to create a new story, right? And that's what I feel that for myself personally, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I might've actually done some healing here and I might be able to create this new story, and that for me, I, you know, it's kind of funny because I start to laugh and I go, wow, but I want to go back to that. I've gone through all this crazy shit in my life. I have to keep thinking about that and reliving it. And it's like, no, because it, I, don't, I don't believe I need to. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's so easy to keep going there. It's a good place to, to tell a story like I was there, but I was here. But I really loved how you, you prefaced that, how you're like, look, like, that's not where I am now. <laughs> that was sort of what I, what I told. And it's, of course, you want to tell your story because your story is going to help people. But at the same time, you want to make it clear to yourself that I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> like, I have moved. I've done the work, right? And it's, I've noticed because a lot of people get really comfortable with being the victim. It's not their fault, but it's very, they've got a lot of, people have given them a lot of attention in that area. And like, you know, it's, it's comfortable. They get the, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So do you, have you noticed that a lot with people you work with? Like what point, at what point do you say to people, Hey, like you have, you're actually, you're healing here. Like you're moving, like it's time to tell a new story. When is it, when do you notice that somebody's healed and they need to tell a new story like when when do you see that as happening like what i know it's kind of a hard question but you know i would love if you could unpack that a little bit yeah i I think you're you're dead on here because it's kind of of the notion to not go looking for problems the person who thinks they are a fixer of problems is going to be continually presented with problems to fix because that's what we're calling in from the universe Mm. right And I do think that trauma has a shelf life, meaning that it does take time to go through the grieving process to really get rid of the emotional charge that's associated with it. And Joe Dispenza says that a memory without an emotional charge is wisdom. Mm. So if we're looking back at our stories in reflection, our traumas in reflection, 
and we're not actually like feeling any visceral response or feeling any emotion, that's a really good sign. And that's a sign that we've moved on. And you know, like, a, yes, a lot of this stuff is heavy. A lot of this stuff takes time to process. But what if we just like wake up one day and start telling ourselves a different story? Right. And we're not talking about spiritual bypass because we do have to be real and see if there is that visceral experience that's still associated with that memory. But maybe it doesn't need to take as long as we think. Mm. I truly do believe that we are all architects of existence, meaning that we get to shape our reality. We get to shape our life how we see fit. So we could just start telling ourselves different stories of who we are. And like, you know, from the soul path course, my tagline that I use in there is the distance between who you think you are and who you truly are is the cause of all discontentment and disease. So I think the process of life is about continuously stepping closer to our truth of who we are. Yeah, it's, this has been such a, this has been so important in my life recently and this year, especially like the amount that I've, I'm a, I feel like a different human this year, bro, like the whole year. And it's, it's almost makes it challenging. It's a good challenge, but it's like, wait a minute, what I was speaking to before the people I was speaking to before it's, it's changed. Like, who am I right? And like, where, who am I evolving into be, you know, like I, and it, it's, it's crazy because the things that I cared about a couple of years ago, I don't really value as much. And the things I care about now are so different. And it's really interesting because then we have to do new things that align with the new person that we're coming to be. And that sometimes gets all tangled up because we get used to doing these things from in our old identity and we don't do the things that we know work to create the new identity. And, you know, we want to sabotage ourselves and which gets me into the next point about what you were saying about not being worthy. And what I want to ask you is when you were in fit for service the first year, how have you changed as far as stepping into your power? Because you've clearly stepped into it, seeing you speak, going through your soul path course, like you have this wisdom, you have this energy about you that is really powerful and highly recommend anybody listening like to do soul path like you it's it's an amazing course but it's only one thing that i i can see you doing like there's so many things but what i'm going to ask you is like how long did that take for you to realize that because i'm at a position where in my life i didn't feel worthy to talk about and i still feel like this even with people in fit for service i'm like fuck these people are like very intelligent about certain things I'm like, I don't know if I'm there ready, ready yet to talk about these kind of things. And I had Pat on the show and he was kind of stepping into doing breath work, um, Pat Realman and, and, and like that kind of area, breath work and meditation. But he almost also feels like, when, when are we able to step up and be like the teacher or like the coach? To, and and it's, I find it to be, it, it can be challenging because we still are telling the story that we're not at that level. And that's when I'm, I know that I'm transforming and I know I'm stepping into this like new role and what matters to me has changed, but I still have the, wait a minute, you're, what are you doing? You're not ready for that yet. So 
when did that change for you? And was it just the, the reflections and you stepping up to the plate to really like ask for the reflections and people giving that to you? Or was that just gradually how you, be, how you got to where you are? Like walk us through that journey a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot in there. The first thing I want to touch on is the, it's almost like the ego death, letting go of the ego identity that we hold of who we think we are. So you used to be a hockey player, you used to play a lot of hockey, and you probably identified as a hockey player. And stepping away from that is a really scary thing. I've had the same experience, um, you know, through climbing. I've always identified as a climber for the last 13 years. So if I'm not Kyle the climber, who am I? Mm. Well, I'm still Kyle. I still have my core essence. And this is what I've been discovering over the past couple of years is this is the most important thing is what is our true essence and what do we carry inside us that lies beyond the ego. So when I came into Fit for Service last year, I actually got in on a scholarship that I pushed for. And so coming in on a scholarship to a high ticket program made me feel less than because I was walking into this arena with all these what I perceived to be successful professionals that were well-established, a lot of podcasters, you know, a lot of people that were like on the map already. And I thought to myself, well, what do I have to offer? And just in my being, I was providing things that I was unaware of. I was helping people open up to who they truly are simply by how my presence is felt. So by holding space for people, which wasn't even a conscious thing, it's just how I am to sit there and deeply listen to somebody allows them to feel comfortable and to speak to what they're authentically experiencing. And this happened number, like numerous times where people are like, oh my God, like, that, was, like, that was such a powerful moment. And really it was a very unintentional thing on my part. And so through that, I started to recognize what I was kind of offering what I was providing for people simply by being me and that um, kind of created this momentum and in sharing my my views and my perspectives on things I was in this positive feedback loop which felt really good because when I was in my adolescence I was actually quite shy and quiet so in speaking up and getting this positive feedback loop it encouraged me to share more um, but the shadow side of that was actually I experienced this massive ego inflation, which uh, culminated, I would say, in Malibu last year. And um, because we have such a loving and supportive community, that was actually reflected back to me that I was coming at these situations with quite a bit of ego. And it took me a while to process that and to unpack it and understand it. But Ultimately, I was able to see the truth in it and to integrate it in how I was showing up. So that's a whole roller coaster of up and down. And that's the nature of life as we, you know, try to correct, course correct, and we pendulum swing to the other side. And so it's constantly a game of finding that middle ground. Interesting. Did you, have you always had self-awareness like have you always have you been conscious of the things that you do like i know that you are a very conscious person and you know look like the last couple years is 
this is for me has been something that I've really paid attention to and I'm trying to get better at it. But have you always had that self-awareness identifying who you are, like what you're doing? Like how has that evolved? Like how have you, yeah, I mean how, because a lot of people don't have this and I'm just speaking of like people that are just even new to this whole world. Like they don't know even what self-awareness is, right? And I think unless you have that, how are you ever going to discover your truth, right? The, the self-awareness has been like a developing um, aptitude, I suppose. And maybe I did have a higher baseline than potentially others. But I think it comes from spending a lot of time alone. Traditionally, mm -hmm. I've, I've spent a, a great deal of time alone. Um, mostly what I mean by that is not in like a romantic relationship. And I think the introspection really comes in that space of aloneness and being comfortable being alone. And I think being comfortable being alone is a reflection of self-love, which, you know, I'm still on that journey, as is everybody, I would say. And then also time in nature, right? In that stillness, I... I don't have the distraction of other people's energies, of other people's opinions or thoughts. I'm not being inundated with that outside influence. And that allows me to have a true understanding of who I am. But this is a constant game. Like this is, I'll be doing this until the day that I die, mm -hmm. trying to come into greater and greater alignment because what we're actually doing in this process is moving beyond the ego and into the soul. So what, again, what is my soul essence? What does my soul want from this human experience rather than what my ego wants? You know, my ego, again, had that attachment to being the rock climber, but wait, maybe that's not where I could be of the greatest service. And these are the things that I'm stepping into now. So funny you say that because sometimes we do these things because we feel we should do them. And then we're afraid to not do them anymore because it means we're going to have to like learn new stuff or get comfortable with something new. And, you know, I'm kind of going through the same sort of process. And I guess, you know, we got to really get clear with ourselves as to like what, how can I use my gift or like what lights me on fire and help use that to help other people? And that's what I've been really journaling on a lot lately. And meditation and journaling, I've been doing it. Since Sedona, I've been doing it so much and I've had just so much clarity, but also a lot of resistance coming to the surface because there's certain areas that don't align with what I'm talking about or thinking about or what I feel in my soul. And I need to, I've been trying to address that. So I guess, yeah, it's really... We got to like, how do we, so to turn this into a question, if we want to figure out our purpose, if we have the call, right? If we're getting the call, how do we know that what the call is, is our truth and what we really want to do? Or how do we, how do we know if it's just something that's popping up our ego I guess, how do we, 
clear out the bullshit and connect to the thing, your soul path. Like how do we, what is the best way or what are the th- ways that you do that? Because, you know, for me, it's been meditation and journaling. And I say to people, I'm like, wow, like this is the, those two things have been the number, the most important things in my life. When I don't do them, I feel all over the place. It's like this clarity that I get. It's like, it makes you better for your day later on. It's like, it helps everything. Like I, I can't speak enough, enough about it coming from somebody that never did this stuff in the past. So like where, what do you do and what can you recommend to people that know what they're doing doesn't feel aligned to their true purpose, but they don't know how to unpack it and they don't know how to really discover if that's truth or not. What you're speaking about are stillness practices. So meditation and journaling are both stillness practices, I would say, and that's allowing an opportunity for the whispers of the intuition to come through rather than constantly following the screams of the ego. And the ego is so loud with all its chatter and it is going after the shiny things, right? Which aren't necessarily the fulfilling things. So I think that's a great place to start, right? Uh, Meditation, journaling, floating. And then if we look at some more intense practices, um, oh, I must include nature as well, time in nature that will provide some great reflection. Um, more intense practices of breath work, which can be a very, almost a psychedelic experience as we enter an altered state of consciousness, but it's coming from something endogenous from within rather than something exogenous, which plant medicine would be categorized as. And I think plant medicine is a wonderful tool as well, but it's not for everybody, right? So you have to make sure you are of sound mind before you mentor it. You have to make sure you have the right facilitator, that they're properly vetted, that it's safe. And um, there's a lot of work that needs to precede that, right, through these other stillness practices so that we get to a place of recognizing where our ego is really latching on to things because it is a dissolution of the ego which could be really unnerving for a lot of people right Mm -hmm. now as we develop our intuition it really whispers to us right and we have to be willing to listen to the whispers and quite often for me it's a visceral experience right so the mind will lie to us all day but the body always tells the truth. So in a conversation, if I say something really important to myself, or I hear something really important to myself, to my own evolution and my path, I get this, um, I call it a truth tingle, right? Some people Mm. will call it goosebumps. I heard it uh, called recently a soul whisper. And that's worth paying attention to, right? When your hair stands up on the back of your neck, when is that? transpiring this is our soul being saying to us pay attention right and so the notion of soul path is that we come down here we incarnate with a purpose and that soul path could be viewed as a straight line and our ego drags us back and forth in oscillation on either side of this line and as we listen to the whispers we come into greater alignment And if we continue to ignore the whispers, they can become screams. So if we deviate too far from center, there can be what I like to call a correction event, 
which might not be pleasant, right? This could be like the, this could be an illness. This could be a car accident. This could be like tripping and, and breaking your ankle, right? Where it forces us into a position of stillness where then we have to heed the whispers, right? And ultimately, if we are in alignment of our soul path, that's really um, nurturing our magic. And if we're bringing our magic into the world, which is generally in alignment with our purpose, that is spreading, right? That is being of service to others because it changes the vibration that we carry. Yeah. It's the, it's so interesting that you bring up when you're on, when you're on the right path, you know, you'll, the, the, the tricky thing is too, though, is that sometimes even when you're on the right path, you will get the challenges to almost test to see how serious you are. Like, are you sure about, are you sure about this? You know, because things like even when I was going to Sedona, my flight was canceled. I had to pay 500 bucks, go the next morning. And I was like, hmm, is this really worth an extra 500? And, you know, you know like I had that conversation. And now I'm like, I would have, I don't care what I would have paid whatever it took, but that was the inconvenience. But that was like almost like the test. But then there's also the course correction, which is, which is a lot of people just say it's a coincidence or, oh, that, that has nothing to do with anything that just happened. Right. And that's kind of the society that we live in. But there's a reason. I believe that too. I believe that there is something that happens to kind of give you the nudge to be like, hello, this, isn't, this may not be the right place and it's going to get louder and louder. And Godzi talks about that too, which is fascinating, right? So how can, you, how can you tell if it's a course correction or if it's like a test? What, what do you do as far as that when that pops up? Because how bad does it have to get versus like, you know what I mean? Like deciphering the two. It, it, it's tough. It's challenging to have that discernment. But I think deep down inside, we know. So again, getting to that place of stillness. Mm. And if we are in pursuit of our highest potential, no doubt there's going to be obstacles along the way. There's going to be these challenges. And a good way to really pay attention like if we're turning away from something due to convenience and safety and comfort it's going to feel just exactly that mm. and if we're presented with an obstacle that actually generates a, a small amount of anxiety or fear that's usually a sign that we should be turning into it we could allow fear to be our compass do the thing that's uncomfortable right and it's really about tracking all these different data points. So whenever we have an experience, pay attention to where we feel it viscerally. And then we could use that as a, a refer point, reference point later and be like, oh, when I was in this circumstance in this conversation with this person, I felt this anxiety which manifested in my chest. And that was an indication that I wasn't receiving the truth for them. And this could, this is a small example. It's going to show up in our life in all sorts of different ways, but it's really about paying attention and generating that greater awareness that's almost like zooming out, right? So we're not just in our mind, we're kind of having the full mind, body, heart, and soul experience. And we almost always know. <laughs> we, like we have, 
we know what feels right and what doesn't. And yet we ignore, it's like we're told, and this is the problem with our society and when growing up, it's like we're almost told to ignore the call and do the thing that is smarter or makes more money or you're, it's more acceptable in your, at your family Christmas dinner because you can talk about the stuff you're doing and it's like, oh, really? Wow. I mean, I've been through that. I'm sure you've been through that. It's like not doing the thing that everybody else is doing kind of makes it uncomfortable. And it's so easy to just say, well, that doesn't matter. Your passion, yeah, that doesn't matter. It doesn't make you money. You know how many times I heard that? Passion doesn't make you money. You got to do something that makes money. Go do this. It's like, what kind of conditioning is that? That is like the society that I grew up in and I always refused to live by. You know, it's like I was at the time when I was graduating high school, it was like, get a trade, get a trade, get a trade. Everybody's retiring. That's the job. And not to say it's wrong, but I tried it and I, I hated it. I needed to be around people. I needed to be around something that wasn't that. And everybody was like, you're crazy. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And I was like, forget it. I'm not doing anything that doesn't feel right. So like, I've always kind of listened to the call a little bit, but you know, that is that happens so much in our society. The people that have these gifts, the art, you know, create music, create, you know, art, create, you know, anything, poetry. It's told, well, that doesn't make money, so don't do it, little Timmy. You know, it's like it's crazy. And now that's what we need the most in our life. Cause that's really what's going to be the thing that lights a person up, inspires somebody else. They inspire somebody else. And before you know it, you have this like ripple effect of all these people that are doing what lights them up and actually creates them the wealth and the career that they want. Because when you're doing things that you feel aligned with, you meet the people that are aligned. And it's, that's, I really believe that. And if you're down a path that you're doing it for the wrong reason, you meet the wrong people and you get yourself into a shit storm, you know, and you see it, you know, like, what are your thoughts on all that? Like, what are your thoughts on conditioning? Oh, it's huge, dude. It is such, it's like the prevalent problem of our time as we come into the world and we're subjected to all the conditioning of society, but also our family. Yeah. And we are showing up as the version of ourselves that our parents expect us to be. And this is why in a lot of different cultures, they have rites of passage ceremonies. And that is the individual is going through a symbolic death where they are stepping out of the shadow of their parents. That version of themselves is dying symbolically as they come into alignment with them, their true selves. And it, it is really devastating to us as a culture that people are not in pursuit of their passions. And what we're ultimately talking about is the arts, right? And I think that one of our major purposes as humans is to be co-creators with the universe so we have a unique lens that the divine shines through and we can express that and express in, in expressing that like in our truth when a soul speaks in truth other souls listen and it inspires other people much like you're saying and this is creating this harmony coming back to the natural world where suddenly we're in symbiosis with all things because we recognize the connection and we're no longer just in survival mode, we're in thrival mode. 
right? Mm -hmm. This is where we are ascending the level of the collective consciousness in creating heaven on earth rather than just being in a process of earning money and consuming and producing and doing this thing over and over again until we have nothing left to to consume. Yeah, and that's why, that's the one area I think technology is positive is that it gives us the ability to kind of package together our gifts or arts or whatever and get them to people where that may not have been possible or to put together courses that may have been more challenging and it without it. So that's, that's the side of technology where I think it's really helpful, you know, even like to be able to do this, this is crazy. This is like to be able to record a video and, and then share it with the world is, is insane. It wasn't possible before. And I think like, that's allowed us to kind of step into our truth and our power, which actually can make us money, which, which can lead to great opportunity. And I think like that's a, a really exciting time really to look at things from a positive perspective is like we're living in a time where you can figure out where you're at, your gifts, package it and sell it or create a course or do whatever you want to do. It's possible. It's yeah. It's a double-edged sword with the development of technology because yes, we could find like-minded individuals like we have through fit for service, but there's also this inundation of information. Mm -hmm. And if information isn't transformed into knowledge, then it actually isn't serving us Mm -hmm. because it's just like, it's a distraction right? These are all smoke and mirrors that are distracting us from our purpose, from pursuing our passion, because this is what conditioning truly is, a bombardment of information. And it's to the point where we can't even discern the truth anymore, Mm. because there's so many conflicting narratives that we're left in the dark, and we're just guessing. And like the times that we're in is such a obvious example and so to stand in our truth to trust ourselves to trust our intuitions to listen to that whisper of our soul really takes a lot of resilience and it really takes standing tall in these attacks that we receive from other people if we are standing in a position that is not the popular belief you better believe we're going to take some arrows but know that we're not standing alone. And that comes back to the importance of community. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with somebody who has a progressive conscious, conscious viewpoint? Or do you have somebody who's buying into you know, Fox News and CNN and all the shit that they're feeding us, right? And from this conscious community, we could build each other up. We can encourage each other. We could provide these clean reflections where we could truly discover ourselves and step into our power. And that's what it's going to take to make a shift in this world. Yeah, totally, man. Couldn't agree with you more. It's like such a double-edged sword. It's You pick up your phone and it's like you. there's all these opinions thrown at you but it's like almost logic to what we learned to get here was thrown out of the window because 
somebody decided that this is the narrative now and it's like whoa wait a minute like that doesn't make sense but because we're being shown so many times it's like well yes it does this is what this is what it is and you're like and we all know in our hearts like well most people like no wait wait a minute this doesn't feel right <laughs> i was there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't line up and i mean it's and people that I, I have looked at it like this. Who do I trust normally on things that I don't know as much about? Who are, and that's what I've really been like, how I've deciphered all this. Who do I trust about certain things? And I'm kind of like, I lean into their opinions. But then when those kind of things get censored or those kind of things, these experts or these per- people in, that are a lot smarter than me are not allowed to speak what their their truth that that made me uncomfortable and i think that continues to make a lot of us uncomfortable and then before you know it we're being shown everything that we're they want and it's like it becomes so dangerous and it's there's not even an opportunity to decide anymore it's like this is what we see and that you're seeing it over and over and over again all of a sudden we believe that like it's insane and I know I don't want to beat a dead horse here. I know we've all been through the last eight months. It's been a roller coaster ride of experiencing. It's just been a real true test to humans. And like I have, I've learned more about humans and how I react to humans and how things more than I ever have in my life. Certain people that I thought I valued there and then certain things, certain people, I, I'm, I'm just blown away. And it brings you to this position of like, okay, now that I know all this stuff, all the stuff of both sides, lots is getting filtered out. Lots of stuff is still in my face. What can I do with the information that I know? I can only go down so many rabbit holes. Okay, I get it. You know, there you can go. I've spent a lot of time and I'm like, what feels right to me and what can I do now? Right? And that's really how I, you know, like that's, man what what can we do now with what we know you know like how much more do we need to know about the corruption or whatever you believe whatever side you're on it's like you know what can we do as a a solution and so i think we really have to measure our input versus our output so how much time are we spending in front of these boxes consuming information and we don't even know whether it's right or wrong right (laughs) having people that we vet and like you suggest who we believe for uh, what we perceive as like clean sources of information. I think that's super important. But again, it all comes back to us. What is our state of being? Are we in a state of fear? Because that's a state of disconnection. Mm-hmm. And in that separation, we are viewing others as over there and not recognizing that they are part of this interconnected web of life. What affects one person affects us all, right? So as we're walking around, currently not able to see each other's smiles we have to practice respect for that other person and their position of belief right so we don't have to believe the same things as others in order to practice compassion compassion is defined as the sincere desire for somebody else's happiness and really i think if we tune into our hearts we want everybody to be happy we don't want anybody to suffer Mm. right so if we continue to come back to that and check ourselves every time we get agitated, we get angry, or we get scared, 
right? Let's just come back to center. And that involves all these stillness practice, practices that we've spoke about. This means getting back out into nature. Nature is our greatest supporter. And it's the only consistent thing we have in our life. We are going to lose everything we have, right? All our friends, all our family, all our possessions, and our own life. Nature will be there, tried, tested, and true throughout the whole process. And so let's lean on that as a point of support, as a point of nurturing, as a point of healing. There is so much healing power in nature. And I mean, this is something else we've been conditioned away from. What about naturopathic medicine versus all these chemical concoctions that we have? Let's get back to our roots. Let's get back to our truth. And it doesn't, as we talk about like breaking through these layers of trauma and coming back to that centeredness of peace and calm and love, it doesn't all need to be work, right? Everybody's like, let's do the work, let's do the work, let's do the play. And this is something Yosef taught me recently. Let's not go have these trauma healing retreats where we're doing the work. Let's go heal trauma through play. And that's a point of innocence and purity and connection. And I'm starting to rehearse this mantra that play is the most powerful form of prayer. Yeah, because your heart is open. You know, your heart, a lot happens when your heart is open. You know, that's when things heal. Not when you're, you know, and, you know, that experience in Sedona for me, you know, especially the adventure I went on, it was, you know, and then, you know, Wachuma and 5MEO, like my heart has never been so open in my life. And it's, you know, what is healing? You know, what is it? What is, the, what, how do we, you know, it's like, is healing just being able to fully open your heart without thinking about opening your heart? Like what is healing exactly, you know? And I think it's to be able to play, you're right, and just without judgment of things, acceptance of things, of people. Because trauma is judgment in others too. It's like this... this it's so many people are walking around judging people and it's like they haven't healed their own shit. And I think as we heal, it's like the less we care about that stuff. You see the good in people and yeah, it's in, in the more your heart is open, the closer you get to your truth and, and healing. Right? Like, how, how would you unpack healing? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to like, you know, as we talk about it, I'm just like, all these downloads are coming. It's your heart opening. I think that being a healed person is recognizing that nothing is wrong. Mm. That this is the human experience. So let's accept everything as it is, because it's only from a place of acceptance that we could shape our experience to what we want it to be. And the outer world is gonna do whatever the outer world is gonna do. So you're right, turning our focus inward and maintaining that open heart and practicing joy for every life circumstance. And that allows us to come back to play and to create from that place of play and that place of joy. And this is an expansive process that people around us can't help but be affected by.
And that place of play, you see it in adults sometimes when they're just, they turn into kids. It's like, you know, I remember when we went to Disneyland as a kid, my dad just turned into a different person. And he was mm. like, you turn into this. And it's like, you forget about the stories you told yourself of like life beating you up. You become the kid. And the best, the, the fast, the, the, the more you can enjoy the play and forget the stories, I feel like, yeah, like the play is the healing. You're right. Like the more we can just play and enjoy the everything and make everything, try your best to make things fun and try to be light about it. But, you know, because as kids, we don't think about that. You know, we're just, we're having fun. And then one day it's like, one, one, there was one specific day where we stopped playing with our friends and we became kind of like a teenager and like started to turn, you know, and it's, why does that happen? You know, like that, that moment, those days of being a kid is like the most beautiful thing. And there's so much that comes from just like enjoying and not having like judgments of what you're doing. Right. And then one day it's, that doesn't exist anymore. And so I would hypothesize that that point where we forget to play is in the evolution of the ego, mm-hmm. where we start to lose our innocence and we start to worry about what other people think about us or like how cool we look or what that girl over there thinks about us you know and so play is like a return to the presence a return to the innocence a return to authentic expression of our soul and so if we could instill that in adults i think we can make a big shift in the world yeah like godzi says we're not discovering it we're remembering it Mm -hmm. (laughs) like our, our purpose our soul it's like that's really what it is. I'm learning a bunch of shit to remember who we really are. Getting past the conditioning, right? Undoing the conditioning, yeah. checking in with our heart and honoring our truth. So walk us through for everybody about Soul Path, what they can expect and why they would want to do that and how they can get involved with it. Yeah, definitely. So you could find me on Instagram, Kyle underscore Dow, or you could reach out to my um, Gmail account. It's Kyle at connectionintegration.com. Soul Path is a six-week program where it includes lessons that I feel are fundamental to lead a meaningful and fulfilling life. So they're lessons that are not commonly found in mainstream media and that were not taught in schools. And it's all about emotional intelligence, awareness, and moving closer to ourselves. And um, the key component to the experience, to the program, is these sharing circles that we have every week. So we come together. It's a group program. We come together as a group, and we either discuss the lesson or we can express something that we're being challenged by in the moment. And in that container, it's set up so it's super safe super comfortable and super private right confidential so people could show up in their authentic expression and then receive reflections from the rest of the group and also support and guidance if that's what they want but sometimes we just need a place where we can externalize our struggle right rather than keeping it bottled up inside 
which is what leads to the disease. So in this container, we could just let it out. We could cry if we want to cry. We could scream if we want to scream. And we don't have these opportunities in mainstream society, right? And so this process is one of connection. It's one of community. It's one of support. And it's one of collective growth and expansion. Love it, brother. It's powerful. You got you got some powerful medicine that a lot of people need. And I'm excited to see, you know, what you continue to create because um, it's powerful stuff, man. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, even, you know, this conversation, there, there's so much, there's so many golden nuggets in there that I think people will be able to resonate with. And, you know, I know when I first worked with you, when we did that exercise, I was like, I want more of what that guy's up to. <laughs> and uh, you know, working with you has been been awesome, dude. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. And I really appreciate you coming and dropping so much value. Thank you, brother, for the support. It's fully received, and it's been a pleasure being here and having this conversation. If you had to give everybody a, a takeaway, evolving adversity and the challenges in your life currently. What is one lesson that adversity has taught you? Adversity has taught me to believe in myself, to believe in my truth. So regardless of what all the others are saying, know who I am and let my truth be my reverence. Well said, my man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Kyle Dow, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Please make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Follow Kyle, and I highly recommend you check out his program, Soul Path. As you can tell, he's a great dude with a lot of wisdom, and you could learn a lot from him. Connect with him on social media as well. And most importantly, guys, have an amazing day. I love you so much. Catch you next time.